We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, let's talk a little Clemson right now. We've got Ryan Cantor with us from TigerNet.com. How are you doing today, Ryan? Great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Appreciate you doing this. I guess let's start off with this because Marcus Freeman, Dabo Sweeney came up in reference, you know, first year head coach Marcus Freeman and kind of the start of, of uh, Dabo's career. He's in his 14th full season now, which it doesn't seem to me like it's that long. I don't know about you, but, you know, he was a first-time head coach, of course, and in his first two years, he was 15 and 12 in his first two full seasons. And it sounds like it wasn't a given that he might make it past then. So I'm just kind of curious, you know, maybe sort of that early perception of Dabo Sweeney and how he got the corner turned to get to the point where Clemson is right now, where they're just cooking all the time on the national scene. Yeah, no, no, it, it, it definitely wasn't uh, a foregone conclusion that he would get the job or that he would keep the job. They went six and seven in 2010, uh, lost to South Florida in the Mighty Car Care Bowl, which was in Charlotte back then. Um, it was terrible. Uh, I didn't think they'd fire him then, but um, it, it, they very well could have. Um, back in um, back the year that they hired him, so after he was an interim, they beat South Carolina. They had a decent finish to the year, nothing spectacular, um, but they beat South Carolina. And I remember that's when I was a student and I was sitting or I was standing on the hill and they started chanting Dabo Sweeney. <laughs> and I just shook my head. Oh, no, we're really going to hire this guy. And I was so frustrated. And then I said, screw it. Dabo Sweeney. Right. It's over. And they didn't hire Tommy Tuberville, who I really wanted. They didn't hire Gary Patterson from TCU, who was in the mix. Um, they were even talking to Brent Venables, which is sort of interesting now in hindsight. Yeah, no um, kidding. Yeah. And um, obviously they hired Sweeney. Um, and I said, if he ever could just win the division, I'll love him forever. <laughs> and they they very quickly won the division the very next year. And so I they was did. in. Um, and then they had a bad year and then in 2010. And then after that, it, the program really started taking off. Well, last year was his first three-loss season since 2011. You know, you just referenced yeah. that. How did how did last season go over there in Clemson after, again, you know, a couple national championships, two more college, you know, national championship appearances and all, all the, you know, double-digit win seasons, mostly 12 and 11 win 
seasons. Yeah. So how did it, how did three losses go over last year? Uh, not great. Um, <laughs> it wasn't a whole lot of fun. I, I like to say um, the bitter makes the sweet sweeter, and I've definitely enjoyed it this year more than I otherwise would have um, in the backdrop of, of you know last season. Um, part of what made last season not as fun is it wasn't just they lost their games. They weren't super fun to watch. The offense was just abysmal. Um, so even though the defense was great, it wasn't, they weren't exciting games. You were just kind of tense the whole time. Like if we can just get a few touchdowns, maybe we could win. But if we give up one big play, this thing could be over. Um, so, you know, we had been asking, uh, you're not asking for it, but kind of complaining, you know, we kill everyone, we crush everyone. It's great, but these aren't the most entertaining. And then, you know, we're winning every game last second, you know, these close, low scoring games with a fumble in the red zone against, you know, Boston College. So in that regard, it was fun. But the broader season was just really frustrating. Uh, sure. Overall. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Well, of course, they lost their law. You just mentioned Brent Venables. They lost him to Oklahoma where, you know, he goes back to Oklahoma, obviously. How would you compare the new defensive coordinator, Wes Goodwin's first defense to maybe some of the top defenses that Venables had? Yeah, I, I I think it's a bit of to be determined. I mean, the second half against Syracuse, they looked like some of the best defenses Clemson has had. Um, but they've been a little too up and down. The secondary was awful against Wake Forest and really needed the offense to bail them out. Um, they sort of fell asleep in the fourth quarter at Florida State. 
um, let them come back and, and go for an onside kick with a chance to to win the game real late. It was, the game was mostly over, but the defense had a big lapse. So I, they just haven't been as dominant um, as maybe we expected. Um, I felt the West was oddly slow to adjust in that Wake Forest game, leaving some cornerbacks kind of out there on an island just to get burned again and again until until pretty late in the fourth quarter when they seemed to adjust and then Wake Forest um, ran the ball instead of just basically just torching Clemson uh, through the air and kind of blew it. Um, so, yeah, I would say to be determined, but but I think folks are still high on Wes and, and um, optimistic of what he can do now and what he will kind of grow into. Well, they got a new offensive coordinator as well because Tony Elliott went to uh, Virginia, Brandon Streeter. What's, uh, what's kind of his popularity level, I guess, right now? Yeah, so folks were not happy when he got promoted, <laughs> uh, to say the least. But you know, part of it is, you know, where, where are the expectations, right? And, and the expectations for the defense are to be maybe the best in the country, right? Like, you know, right up there with Georgia, uh, you know, the top two or three or four defenses. Um, the offense has not been as good as the defense, but I think I and others are uh, more impressed and pleased with Brandon Streeter um, than West, just because of where expectations and who they were they were replacing. I think a lot of people uh, are comfortable saying that the offensive coordinator position has been upgraded. Um, Streeter's more uh, willing to use the tight ends. He's more willing to use tempo. Um, he's more willing to kind of – he has more of a killer instinct. There was um, a play uh, – I, I want to say it was against Florida State where uh, – was it Florida State – Clemson had, had gotten the ball. No, yeah, uh, off a big fumble. And uh, right away, they went for the kill shot, and they did like a flea flicker with reverse attached and then bombed it to uh, Jake Bernstool. Yeah, it was Florida State, and, and Bernstool got it in for a touchdown and kind of ended the game. And that kind of killer instinct rather than just inside zone, maybe a screen pass. Right. It's, it's more fun, and, and it's kind of brought the fun back. Um, not, it's not just winning. We're, we're a fun offense again. Um, so I, I'm real impressed with Brandon Streeter. Very interesting to hear that, especially when Irish fans probably around here hear that based on <laughs> what they think about Tommy Reese right now. Um, I think one of the biggest questions people around here, the question that we've got this week the most, who's going to start at quarterback? Because Cade Klubnick replaced DJ Uyunglele in the Syracuse game, of course. DJ's number one on the depth chart that they released this week. Is there any reason to believe that he won't start this Saturday night? No, no. DJ Uwe Ungle is your starter uh, for sure. Um, Cade, you know, he wasn't really relied upon too heavily in that game um, against Syracuse when he came in. Uh, he was a, kind of a steadying force more than anything else. Um, I, I think it's pretty, pretty well established. The coaches have been almost over the top uh, and making that point clear. So I think you'll see DJ start. Do you, do you think there's any chance we see both of them though? I thought that earlier in the year, but they've really only used club Nick in, uh, in garbage time. So, yeah. uh, so hopefully, hopefully there's garbage time, right? I guess garbage time comes in, in, in different forms, right? It's in the eye of the beholder. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, but I don't think we see him, uh, unless that, okay. unless that happens. I mean, Uyunglele has had a good season statistically, but the two interceptions against Syracuse didn't throw any touchdown passes. How would you describe the season that he's had, especially after 
a full season that he had last year? Um, yeah, so I'll go back to kind of what I was saying before. A, a lot of sort of evaluation of players and coaches is based on what expectations you had for them coming in, right? right so right. last year was a huge disappointment, right? He was a five-star recruit who played a little bit in two games, was obviously amazing against Notre Dame, um, despite Clemson losing that. So he was a huge disappointment last year. Now we've reset expectations based on that tough year last year, and he's blown away expectations. So I think everyone's extremely happy with, with what he's done. He's not quite um, in the very, very upper, you know, top three or four. He's, you know, not Hendon Hooker or, um, you know, that very, very elite Drake May top three or four guys, but he's, he's right there in the tier below. Okay. Um, so, so you got to be pretty happy with what he's done this season if you're a Clemson fan. Well, from a yardage standpoint, the 439, of course, that he had against Notre Dame two years ago is the, the best game that he's had. Do you, is that the best game of his career to this point? I think you might you might look at that Wake Forest game he had earlier. Okay. Um, some of those throws were pretty tough. There was one where there was literally a guy on his leg and his legs kind of you know, being pulled and, and he's standing on one leg and just with his arm throws it for a touch. I think it was a two-point conversion. Um that, that was pretty outstanding that whole game. So um, I might I might say that was actually his best game. Clemson's coming off a bye last week after the win over Syracuse. What's maybe the biggest thing that they needed to address during that bye week? Um, I think a lot of it's getting healthy, staying healthy. Um, you know, back in uh, in in twenty twenty when, uh, when when Clemson and Notre Dame split, a lot of Clemson fans were. Uh, preemptively salty of going into the first of the games. And uh, I actually picked Clemson to lose that game because there were so many injuries. There was a lot of Clemson fans saying, well, this is diet Clemson. This almost doesn't count. Um, <laughs> obviously, it counts just the same. You guys made the playoffs, so all is good. But sure. um, Clemson's pretty healthy this year. Um, they've, they've got Brian Brzee uh, finally healthy um, after he missed games for both, obviously, personal reasons with his family, but also, um, you know, he had a, a kidney infection. He was – coming back last season from shoulder and knee surgery. So um, he's healthy. Xavier Thomas is getting healthy. The defensive end, who's a great pass rusher. Um, Sheridan Jones, who missed a bunch of games this season with the Stingers, the Clemson's best cornerback. And he's back. Andrew McCuba had an elbow issue, and he's been wearing a brace. I don't know if it's 100%, but getting that extra time helps him a lot. He was, he was one of Clemson's best defensive players last year, and his PFF metrics this year are pretty bad. So um, injuries definitely been affecting him. So I think just getting healthy more than anything and um, maybe giving DJ some time to reset after his only truly bad game this season. So if you're Notre Dame, what do you think should be your biggest concern from a Notre Dame perspective facing this Clemson team coming into this game Saturday night? Yeah, so I, I think Notre Dame's – they've had some real stinkers, but I think when they play well, they're a good team. Um, but I think that the way they find success is a bad matchup for them against Clemson. If they want to run the ball and hit their tight end and run the ball some more and eat up clock, I just don't know that that works against a team that has a really good front seven. Um, and then if you're not – Wake was successful because they have great receivers and they run a, a dynamic offense. It kind of says, our receiver's better than your cornerback. You guys in one-on-one will win, and they did. And that's kind of the opposite of Notre Dame system where they're going to kind of try to push us around. So I just right. don't think that bodes well. I think you're going to have to really kind of zig where you're not comfortable. I agree. And, you know, we've seen some of that at 
different points this season, but the last few games have been pretty heavy with the diet of that power running game. So I think we're all kind of curious what this is going to look like Saturday. Um, South Carolina is obviously Clemson's top rival. I'm curious. This is going to be the fourth time Notre Dame and Clemson have played since 2018 now. And like you said, in 2020, they played twice because of the ACC championship game. And it's the fifth time since 2015. So does... How does Notre Dame, I guess, move the needle around there as a, you know, like a, a rival type, considering they're playing more often? And this game, I think everyone thought was going to be more of a heavyweight matchup. Notre Dame, you know, hasn't necessarily held its own. So what do you think of it from that perspective? Yeah, I don't really consider Notre Dame a rival in terms of like NC State. I hope they lose every game, you know, or, or even. Georgia Tech to a lesser extent, Florida State, kind of same thing. Like I root against them because I don't like them. Aside from the fact that, you know, you sort of need these teams to win to pad your resume. But putting that aside, you know, Notre Dame's not one of my top five least favorite teams or probably not top 20 least favorite teams. Um, okay. I don't know. I mean, a lot of fans, regardless of Clemson, don't like Notre Dame because they're Notre Dame, just like people don't like the Yankees because they're the Yankees. Oh, absolutely, yeah. But I don't think it's anything special with a rivalry. Would you like to see them play more often with this ACC, you know, arrangement? Play even more often than what they play? Yes and no. Um, I'd rather see us play regional rivals that I have more, um, not affinity, but uh, strong feelings for and or right. against. Like and teams uh, you just mentioned, basically, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's important that we play NC State, Georgia Tech, South Carolina, Florida State every year, and those are going to be protected moving forward, which is great. But um, I'd rather play teams where when I go to work, I have coworkers that went to those schools and we can kind of, you know, tease each other. So I'd rather play Tennessee. I'd rather play Florida. I'd rather – I would say Georgia because it's a great rivalry, but they, they tend to do well against us. But in theory, those are the teams I'd rather play um, than Notre Dame. When the news broke about USC and UCLA jumping to the Big Ten over the summer, like – you know, there were people who started talking about Notre Dame. Are they going to join the Big Ten? But there was there were also rumblings about Clemson and Florida State and the SEC. And so whether it's whether it's the SEC or or you know, anywhere else, I guess has has that talk is is any any legs to any of that kind of talk right now? Well, I'd have to go back and look at the exact year, but the ACC's TV agreement, which includes a grant of right, goes on for right forever, basically. So I I think were fairly locked in for a while and I'm sure lawyers could find their way around things, but I think it would at least be pretty tough to up and leave quickly. Um, and I think from a ge geography and culture standpoint, I'd hate to go to the big 10 if I'm Clemson, not Notre Dame's perspective, obviously different. Um, but I mean, Ohio state, Michigan, Penn state, those are great schools, but like they, they have no relation to Clemson or, you know, you grow up going to school, you know, you're in high school and your friend cheers for Auburn and, and you can tease each other, right? That's like people who grew up in South Carolina, Atlanta, Charlotte, that are Clemson fans. That's sort of our experience. I don't really want to play Minnesota. Um, the SEC could be interesting, but I also uh, appreciate being able to go undefeated, whereas, um, you know, decent schools in SEC get beat up and forgotten very quickly. quickly. Look at Florida. So, um, I hope that the ACC could could stand together, but I expect it to 
potentially fall apart when when Notre Dame I think will break in, break its agreement with us and uh, stop uh, stop participating. Breaking news. Breaking. News. I don't know. I th- I think I think they're pretty comfortable where they are right now for the immediate, especially after you know with the expansion of, of the playoff going to twelve here in in the near future. I, I think that I think that I think Notre Dame feels pretty good about where they are right now. But I guess we'll see. You know, it's like we've. Yeah. I think everybody thought that USC and UCLA were comfortable where they were. So yeah, well, I know they have a new NBC deal coming, so I'm assuming right. it's going to be enough money that they don't care to ever join the ACC. I'm not assuming it's going to be enough money that they don't want to join the Big Ten, but hopefully it is. So I hope you get a huge deal and never join the Big Ten, but, <laughs> but we'll see. You're uh, you're siding with a lot of Notre Dame fans. Uh, everyone is, I think, uh, well, not everyone, but most are in that same boat. Ryan Cantor from TigerNet.com. Great stuff from you, Ryan. I appreciate you doing this and uh, look forward to the game Saturday yeah, night. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right. Take care. Thanks. You too.